0: Hello and welcome to the Career Changers podcast. I'm Elisa Martinic and I'm the founder and editor in chief of the Career Changers. I'm definitely one of them. I learned from my experience that following our dreams requires courage, self-awareness and a lot of inner work. I love to discover stories of career change and share them with the world as a source of inspiration for all those who are still searching. Career Changes are not the straightforward chronology written in our CVs, but the sum up of our dreams, ambitions, failures and successes. The Career Changers is an online community that aims to inspire thousands of people during their journey to self-realization. We discover and share inspirational real-life stories of career change, we inspire people that are thinking to change career, We support people that want or need to change career but feel stuck or lacking confidence and clarity. We connect and collaborate with organizations that support career change across different industries. I believe that thinking to have only one job or career in our life is a limiting belief unless the job or that career make us happy. Life is a journey and with one-third of our lives spent working it would be unimaginable, to not have a desire to explore new avenues. Welcome to the Career Changers podcast.
1: Hello and welcome to the Career Changers. Our guest today is Joseph Gelfer, founder of Ecotopian Careers. Joseph said, I founded Ecotopian Careers with the intention of reducing the obstacles that are preventing many people to transition to green jobs. Today, Joseph is going to talk about his career and his mission, helping people transitioning successfully to green jobs. Hi, Joseph, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, great to be here. So let's start uh, with your professional life, as you are a career changer uh, yourself. Um, how did you start uh, um, your, your career, or better, what was your first job?
2: Well, that's a, a long and winding story. I, I think I've had multiple careers, but the first job, the first job out of university, I was a researcher for the British and Foreign Bible Society, bizarrely enough. I studied theology as an undergraduate student, um, just like as an academic interest in religion. Um, And I was very lucky that I got this job with Bible Society, but it was a little bit strange because, um, you know, like it's literally a mission agency and everyone there was like a a believer. Um, I was not. I was just there through academic interest. So I had this kind of strange position in the company. I think people, some people wondered why I was there and other people felt, hmm, it must be God's plan to have him here.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a nice way to be uh, included. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, So what is your uh, educational background?
2: So, yeah, so theology as um, an original undergraduate degree, um, I kind of went through research and publishing jobs. I did a bit of writing along the way, um, kind of a mixed bag, really. And then a little bit later, I returned to university and did a Ph.D. in New Zealand where I kind of picked up the kind of the religious element and combined it with things I was interested at the time, which was uh, masculinity and gender studies. So I brought those two things together um, and that took me off for years on another direction, talking about masculinities. Okay, that was kind of like maybe career number three, something like that. So there's been lots lots of twists and turns.
1: Well, that sounds very interesting. A topic worth exploring, maybe in another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what was your dream job when you were a child?
2: Well, actually, I was quite funny. I was looking through some old paperwork um, just uh, a few months back and I found this old school report uh, from when I think it was like 13 or 14, something like that. And part of this report was a statement that I had written about what I expected um, to do in the future. And in, you know, typical arrogance of youth, it was just like really forthright statement about I'm going to be a really important person in the media. And I was like, hmm, slow. I I didn't quite make it to the media, but it wasn't too dissimilar because you know I I had a job for a number of years in publishing. Um, I have written articles in newspapers, magazines, and books as well. So I, in many ways I wasn't that far off. But originally it was going to be something to do with the media, which many people felt back in the what that would have been like the, the late 80s. Ah yeah.
1: So what have been the highlights of your career? Yeah so
2: you know obviously I just stated I wanted to do something in the media right so I've always had this intention of kind of communicating in the the public sphere and I was more of a kind of a written word communicator so I've always kind of been interested in the idea of, you know, at some point writing books and having them well received. Um, I've never been lucky enough to have my books particularly well received, but I have had books published. And I think when you get those books published and you see, you know, your, your name on the cover of a book and ideally even in a bookshop, then that feels quite special. So I think the kind of historically until my kind of recent incarnation in Green Jobs, um, seeing my name on the front of books was like the the thing that I was most proud of
1: mm. uh, do you want to mention your books I actually have seen on your website and I find it quite interesting
2: <laughs> yeah well actually there's again lots of different types of books back in the early 2000s I did like these little humor books um, and it was a complete like comedy books um, and I've still got my name on them. If you go into, onto Amazon, you'll see all of these crazy books from the <laughs> early 2000s. But I, I kind of try and pretend that they don't exist. And that, like the first real books came a little bit later on. And um, one of those, but the most recent of which was Masculinities in a Global Era, which looked at how the subject of masculinity looks differently in different parts of the world. I'm trying to theorize a little bit about how we understand masculinity to function in society. But there's been quite a few books on different subjects along the way.
1: Mm, that sounds very interesting. Um, so let's move to green jobs. Uh, that is uh, what, uh, what is your mission today. Uh, you said, that, like many others, I spent years training to figure out what I can do to be part of the solution to climate change, uh, one of the biggest topics uh, nowadays. Like many others, I made changes to my lifestyle, such as being vegetarian, recycling, and living very modestly. But what I really wanted to do uh, was to make climate change the focus of my working week. However, like many others, I realized that it's hard to make significant professional changes in mid-career. There are many obstacles that make such changes difficult. Some of these are to do with individual circumstances and others with social expectation and prejudices. How and when did you start thinking about green jobs? And what was the first catalyst for
2: this fault? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess there's a little bit more background to that story to, for that answer to be meaningful. So, I mean, I've always been interested in kind of green environmental issues ever since I was a boy, right? Um, but obviously, I was interested in being important in the media. So I was on a different pathway, right? And I assumed that somebody else would fix the problems of climate change people who knew far more than I did, people with proper qualifications and stuff like that, uh, business leaders, politicians, scientists, um, and for one reason or another, they did not fix those problems, either because they tried um, and were pushed back, or because, you know, like the politicians are largely indifferent. So over the years, I was starting to feel more and more, you know, Put out and depressed basically that nobody was solving this problem and started trying to, to to bring it more into my kind of working life I guess what I was doing at the time so um, before the green jobs uh, career coaching that I do I was working in the university um, teaching communication studies so what I would find myself doing is trying to bring climate change into the conversations as much as possible encouraging students to get involved in climate as a career, you know, because it's going to be one of the biggest subject, well, the biggest subject for the next hundred years. I was having the same conversation with my own children at home who are all kind of now in their mid teens and early twenties. You should be getting into climate because this is like the only thing that's going to be happening. So I was having that conversation in classrooms and at home for years. And then eventually I'm starting thinking, well, why aren't I getting into climate? You know, I've still got 20 odd years at least of working life ahead of me. Um, If I think it's so important, I should be should be doing it as well. And that's where I started hitting the obstacles of it not being so easy to make those types of mid-career transitions. You get stuck in a rut. People think you're your expertise in a particular type of place. Some people experience ageism. So that's when I thought, really, we need some kind of service that can help people who are interested in climate issues turn that into their working week um there wasn't anything like that around unfortunately if there was i would have signed up so i thought well i'll I'll just create it myself so that's actually a similar origin story to many services people kind of feeling that they wanted help the help didn't exist so they ended up creating it themselves
1: Mm. so Um, On the practical side of things, how did you change career into a green uh, um, job? What were the steps that you took and uh, what challenges did you have to overcome?
2: Sure. Well, I think one of the important things to know for all career switches is that you're always going to draw upon things that you've done in the past. That's what makes us all unique. So the way that I started thinking about it first is what what am I good at? What have I been doing for years? So, you know, I've been an editor and a writer for years. So I'm good at curating information, bringing complex information together in one place, simplifying it and make it easily understandable. I've been working in a university teaching environment for years. So I'm quite good at communicating to people and and teaching. Um, Part of my teaching has been about getting people ready for jobs, teaching them how to do interviews, teaching them how to do CVs and resumes. So bringing all of that stuff together it seems quite natural that some kind of career coaching um, service, and not just career coaching, but also, again, curating information, because one of the great challenges that people have is that they want to have some kind of green job, but there's just such a vast amount of information out there that they need some kind of discovery layer. Somebody who's going to make that information a bit more accessible. That's what an editor does. So again, bringing in that previous experience. So I guess it was about taking my initial and original functional skills, combining it with my interest in climate and green issues, and then a bit of fake it till you make it as well. Putting all of that stuff together and a lot of you know business strategy, trying to figure out how you're going to monetize this stuff, which is also obviously very important in the context of climate. That's what shifts you from being a climate activist to working on climate. There's actually got to be some revenue involved. Bringing all those things together, that's how I created the new direction.
1: So a green job, what we all assume is something to do with uh, protecting or saving the environment, but how would you define it? What is exactly a green job?
2: It's actually not a particularly easy thing to define because people have lots of different ideas. Um, There are some commonly accepted kind of definitions from people like the International Labour Organization, but they're relatively vague. And it would be quite easy for people to look at those definitions and think, well, that doesn't really suit the kind of thing that I'm interested in. And so and then you kind of get this a bit of a, a push and pull in a couple of different directions you get some people who are trying to expand the definition of green jobs. One good example of this is the uh, feminist Green New Deal, for example, who are interested in incorporating care jobs as being part of the green economy. So you've got some people who want to expand, you know, you and I might not necessarily think that care jobs belong as a green job, but that's the argument that they're putting forward. And then at the other end of it, you've got people who are trying to reduce definition of green jobs because they're worried about greenwashing and corporations just using the words to you know make their bad deeds look good so you've got some people trying to expand it some people trying to reduce it um the method that i employ is to try and resist defining what a green job is and i do that because i don't want to have to get into arguments with people about whether or not they are correct in their understanding of green jobs i'd rather just accept people's position that they're at right now and also i think importantly accept that that's probably going to change over time the more you know about the green economy the more you kind of get a a more subtle and sophisticated understanding about you know the whole sector and you know my ideas change all the time so i think it's easier to kind of just accept Whatever you think a green job is, let's go with that right now. Let's assume that it will develop and evolve over time. And that's just part of the process.
1: Mm. Yeah, While well, you were talking also made me think about uh, corporate social responsibility and uh, probably many companies, uh, um, well, they have to give this image to the world that they are taking action to, to save the environment. So I guess uh, um, I'm not sure if, if you had any experience um, through, through ecotopian careers to get in touch with companies that, have, um, that are developing green jobs or green career as part of their corporate social responsibility.
2: Look, I mean, the whole green sustainability space is exploding. Um, and I think a good example of a company that has got ahead of this would be somebody like Deloitte. So as a consultancy last year, Deloitte rolled out a climate literacy program to their whole global staff. I think it's some insane number, like 330,000 or something crazy like this. Um, So what they've done is they've understood that in the future, sustainability and green issues will not be a department. It's not going to be a little group of people that does sustainability over here. Rather, it's going to cut across. It's going to be a horizontal that goes across every single department. So I think it was quite insightful of them to realise that you might as well get ahead of this and start developing that, that kind of level of climate literacy and sustainability um, expertise across all of your staff, because that's the way it's going. Now, of course, there are some people who are just paying lip service um, and and everything in between. So the point being, I think, is that everybody knows that this is happening. Everybody knows it is coming, um, which means I think it's a fantastic time to be getting into the sector, because right now the the needs, the demands for people who can do this type of stuff outstrip the qualified people. That may not last forever, but right now it does, and it probably will for at least the short to medium term. So it's a good time to be moving into that scene without necessarily the need of, you know, like having a master's degree Mm -hmm. or something like
1: that. I think uh, it reminds me of uh, probably, I guess, 15 years ago when uh, uh, people started to work in digital. Uh, So the first generation of people working in digital is people that just maybe uh, f- f- they fell into it or they transition from um, from traditional marketing and then I guess in the same ways, green jobs maybe attract people that have an interest in the environment uh, um, but they don't have specific qualifications
2: Yeah, I think that's a very good analogy I mean look, there, there are two ways of thinking about how big this issue is going to get there's like a conservative um, vision of it and a more um imaginative vision so the conservative vision if you look at something like the linkedin global green skills report which was published earlier this year they have um the statistics which show it was something like um the jobs that require green skills are expanding at like 8% per year or something. And the number of people who have those green skills is expanding at 6%. So, at the moment, on this kind of like conservative way of looking at it, it's this 2% um, gap that's getting slightly bigger every year in a linear progression. That's like the conservative case. But as with most things in climate, they don't move in a linear fashion, they tend to move in an exponential fashion. And that's why I thought it was quite interesting to see an interview with the CEO of LinkedIn buried deep in some part of like the United Nations uh, blog somewhere. And the headline of this uh, interview was that he believes that 50 percent of jobs will be impacted by climate. But I think it was like 2040 or something like this. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that half of all jobs are going to be green jobs, but that are going to be impacted by climate. So that really implies that half of all jobs are going to require some understanding of climate issues in order to just to be viable. And that was the first really serious um, kind of like commentator in the job sphere that I'd ever read. I thought, now that is a number that feels realistic to me because I mean, in my mind it's you know that linear progression is unrealistic. it's going to explode. And as with most things with climate, the, the you know the tipping points are coming earlier and earlier than we expected. So I imagine that that distinct, that differentiation between candidates and jobs is gonna explode much earlier. Now, the, I don't think the university system will be able to keep up with pumping through, you know, qualified people, and it's gonna take them a while to, to get, to be able to catch up. And that's why I think, as I say, and with your digital marketing kind of analogy as well. Really good time for people who are interested, motivated, energized, with the right kind of attitude, can probably make that change into the green economy without having technical qualifications. And that's just great news.
1: Mm. Well, I find really interesting uh, what you mentioned now, 50% of uh, jobs impacted by the climate. Uh, What are the insights uh, that, that you have on this?
2: Um, What is the likely future of green jobs? Well, I mean, what I would argue probably is that there will be no green jobs in the future because all jobs will be green.
1: Yeah.
2: So we're going to get to a point either through kind of consumer sentiment or just full on government legislation where pretty much every product and service is going to have to be sustainable. Otherwise, it won't have a market. And I think a lot of the bigger companies are starting to uh, get a sense of this now. Some of them have been doing well for quite a long time, like Unilever, for example, have known this for well over a decade. And, you know, they've been slowly but surely transitioning their business to exist in that type of future. Um, So I think everyone's going to be in the green economy, whether you like it or not. So as with all kind of all changes, all transitions, you've got two choices, right? You can either take control of it sooner and have a managed transition, or you can leave it till later when that transition is forced upon you and it's going to be much more chaotic and traumatic, both for job seekers and employers. So we all know what's coming. It's it's ludicrous to ignore and put the blinkers on. It's coming. Climate change, way. Anyway, it's already here. Um, all of the economy is going to change probably with breathtaking speed. Certainly by the end of the decade, everything's going to look very, very different. So now is a golden opportunity to, I think, get on board and to to get something out of this, because it's going to be a very hard transition, but some people are going to thrive. They're not just going to survive, they're going to thrive because they got in early and they they made the most of it. And this, I think, is really a powerful message as well from like a, from like a social justice point of view, is that there have been a lot of people in the past you know, 40 years who have been really hammered by inequalities in society. You know, the, the gap between rich and poor has got bigger and bigger, we all know. Now, there will be a massive transformation of the economy in the next 10 years or so, and it is an opportunity for those people who have been left behind to just make up a little bit of, of lost time. Um, if they can, you know, take the opportunity. But they need help, right? Because when you're down under at the bottom of the ladder, you don't necessarily have the, like, the mental and emotional bandwidth to understand what opportunities are there. And that's why I think, like, green career coaches are really important to try and empower people. Because all of the big businesses, they're going to figure out how to make money out of this. All of the corporations, they'll be fine. Um, but we need to be able to find ways of getting regular people into the green economy, not just so that they don't have a catastrophic experience, but so that we can actually lift them up and that they can get part of you know, what we can call like a climate dividend that really should be distributed um, a little bit more evenly.
1: So you're helping people to transition from their career to green jobs. What are some tips and tricks to successfully transition to a green jobs?
2: Yeah. Okay. So what most people tend to do is to think about the skills and they're going, oh, what could I do? And yeah, we that's a certainly important conversation. Um, I think actually the, the real challenge, the real thing that people need to think about is like motivation and personal energy levels. A lot of the people that I speak to um, as clients have, you know, they're kind of defeated. They've tried to get jobs, they haven't succeeded, they're feeling low, sometimes outright depressed. And that kind of level of personal energy does not communicate well, it is not attractive, and you need to be given, you know, people need to give you the benefit of the doubt as a career switcher. And the easiest way to be given the benefit of the doubt is just to be infectiously enthusiastic, to have their really good personal energy To for people to like you and to want to be around you. If you've got that rapport with people, I think they're more likely to give you the benefit of the doubt. You can have the best skills in the world, but if people don't really want to be around you, then it's not going to work. So those type of soft skills, at the beginning of my kind of career coaching, I used to have that as a secondary thing, almost like a towards the end of the conversation. I've completely changed that round and I bring it up to the front. Because I would argue now, you know, if you've got a good attitude and mediocre skills, you've probably got a better chance of getting a job than if you've got fantastic skills and a mediocre attitude. So, I mean, some people don't really want to hear that because they think, oh, well, my schools should speak for themselves. But you do that at your peril because people just want to be around likable, energetic, enthusiastic people. So, that's my main tip. Be 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 happy, be enthusiastic. Allow your passion for being part of the solution of climate change to communicate.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also uh, in my experience, I've seen many people struggling maybe to get in new careers or jobs because um, what I try to remind uh, them is that uh, we all uh, uh, we are all looking for connection. So whenever we, we we are looking for something, we will have another person on the other side. So yes, we can showcase our um, qualifications and uh, our work history. Um, but but the truth is that um, the other person there will look a way that feels connected to us. And as yeah. you mentioned, that could be through enthusiasm or showing our passion. So, Sometimes the right question is uh, how do we connect with the person that is there on the screen or in person and uh, and we leave a lasting impression of, of us?
2: Yeah, and look, and here's the thing. Some people have got no experience. Many people have got no experience of communicating passion at work because they may well have been stuck in some boring job for their whole lives. And they literally have no precedent of what it's like to feel authentic and genuine about actually what they're doing and this is also something that I spend time talking to people about you know if you are if you're in you know if you're interested in climate um, and being part of the solution we're literally here this sounds a bit corny but this is the way that I say it we're here in service to life on earth that's it now I think it's okay. I can understand if you've been selling pots and pans your whole life or a CRM or something like this, how you've struggled to kind of communicate that passion and enthusiasm. But when you're literally in service to life on earth, I think you can get in touch with it. I've struggled with enthusiasm for short sure in the past, but this is one of the, you know, the revelations to be quite honest about working on climate is that it is, it's genuine, it's authentic. You can you can commit to it 100%. You can make it your life mission and it feels absolutely the right thing to do, completely sensible. You don't have to convince yourself, You know, it's just like the obvious thing to do. So I think it's about allowing people maybe to connect for the first time possibly in their working lives, what it's like to be in genuine alignment with the values of yourself and the job that you're doing. So if you've never really had that, you might need to learn how to communicate that enthusiasm for the first time in your life. And that's hard.
1: Well, this is why you are here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, a few years ago, um, during uh, your career, um, you created Ecotopian Careers. Um, Sorry, I don't remember actually the date (laughs) when this happened. But um, I read on your website where this name comes from, and I find it really interesting. So can we let our listener know what does ecotopian mean and where is this term coming from?
2: Yeah, it's a funny word because usually it's the first time people have heard the word, yet most people know immediately what it means. So <laughs> it's, it's an interesting word, right? I didn't come up with it, unfortunately. So it comes from a book, a sci-fi book. Called Ecotopia, which was published in 1978 by the author Ernst Kallenbach. And it was a book about a group of states in America. I think it was the states on the Western Seaboard. So uh, Washington State, Oregon, and California, who broke away from the main nation to start a new country based on ecological principles. So it's quite an interesting, it's quite obscure, but it's starting to come back. Uh, it kind of disappeared from all but the the most serious kind of like ecology and sci-fi buffs for many years. But I've noticed it starting to surface again because obviously it's very prescient. Um, and it's interesting to see how people interpreted what a nation would look like um, if it was based on those principles. Obviously, it's of its time. So there's not much technology in it. Most of it, most of the way of dealing with it was about kind of living simply. And I suspect if Ecotopia existed today, it would be far more about technological solutions, direct air capture and stuff like that. So, first of all, like the technology is missing, which makes it a little bit strange. Secondly, there are some odd cultural things in there. The racial politics are a little bit peculiar, uh, like the politics of sex and gender are a little bit peculiar, but I think we have to remember when it was written in the late 70s, people saw the world differently then. But despite the fact of these oddities, um, I can recommend it as a read because it gives you an interesting insight into not just what a country would have to do in order to organise itself along those lines, but the type of um, geopolitical relationships that it has with other countries. So in the book, Ecotopia and the United States have basically been um their lines of communication have broken down for a very long time and the book is about a journalist from the states who goes over into ecotopia and starts to kind of understand what the nation is really like but you should go read it it's a good read
1: yeah you sold it very well <laughs> even when i when i read it on the website i thought oh, this sounds interesting um i've been mean, definitely a topic uh to explore So, each of us with our choices can have a positive impact uh, in the world. How do you feel that uh, your job uh, or ecotopian careers is making the world a better place?
2: Okay, so here's I'm I'm going to combine that question with a, a broader idea about why green jobs are important. Okay, just bring the two things together. So, I absolutely endorse people making individual lifestyle changes. I've done it myself, by all means, you know, conserve energy, recycle, use public transport, eat less meat, fantastic. But here's the problem, climate change and all of our environmental problems are so huge that when, you know, a small percentage of people make those individual lifestyle changes, it's not a big enough difference. That's just the unfortunate reality. You know, you can't have one or even 10% of the world making those lifestyle changes and turn the whole problem around. So what you need to be able to do is to operate at scale. So that's what I was thinking in order to create ecotopian careers in the first place. What can I do so I don't just affect change in my own life, but in the lives of others, hundreds, thousands, maybe if I'll get lucky, hundreds of thousands of people. And that, again, is the value in general of green jobs. So there's like a a knock on effect of this. So if I help one person get a green job, their green job impacts 10 people or 100 people. And then I get that flow on impact. So what we really need is each person who cares enough to be able to change not just their lives, but the lives of many people. And that, I think, is one of the reasons why I was happy to be able to do something like Ecotopian Careers and one of the reasons why I like green jobs in general, because it enables people to operate at scale. And, you know, there are other great things about green jobs. There's three things that I tend to bring up. Number one, it is like the morally correct thing to do. There's just no argument with that. Number two, the green and climate kind of space is probably the most innovative, interesting, and creative industry around right now. Number three, if you play it right, it's lucrative. Now, I literally cannot think of any historical precedent where those three things have come together, morally right, interesting, and lucrative. This is a golden moment you know i mean it's it's awful that we're at this point where we've got climate change but for those who can position themselves as part of the solution i genuinely believe that this is a golden moment to to do something interesting right interesting and lucrative that's why i love green jobs so much i can't think of anything wrong with them there's all sorts of other good stuff as well as i've mentioned you know it helps with social justice if we can get the, the green economy right we can lift some of those people up who have missed out on, you know, on on having their part of, of the pie. You know, the social contract does not work for them. We get an opportunity to rearrange things real quick. And we know that can be done. COVID showed us this. COVID showed us that we can rearrange society real quick in the face of an emergency. And I think what we'll see here is not something similar, but something much bigger, much more adventurous in scope will happen with climate. And I think it's going to happen much quicker than people imagine. Uh,
1: so I'm aware that you are uh, making available some resources to anyone that is looking or is exploring to change their career. Um, what are uh, these resources so that someone interested can reach out eventually?
2: Yeah, look, the, the main free resource that people should be going and looking at is just go and sign up to the weekly newsletter. So every Monday I send out a newsletter which has a whole bunch of curated information of free webinars that people can attend in all different elements of the green economy, for example, this week's webinar has got like 60 or 70 um, events. All free that you can go go and connect with some of the most interesting people in the world. Again, thanks to COVID. You couldn't have done that. If you wanted to connect with interesting people before COVID, you've had to have gone on a plane to San Francisco or something, had loads of money and time and flexibility. Not anymore. You can connect with some of the most interesting, important people in the world on these types of webinars now. So that's why I list those. I think they're the best opportunity. So sign up to the free newsletter, um, get that information that comes through every week. You'll also get access to a free ebook, which will give you a little bit of a jumping off point. I've also got then, that's like the end of the free stuff. i have also got obviously my paid services. I've got an online course that people can subscribe to in order to learn how to um, transition to a green job. And then there's the one-on-one coaching as well.
1: Um, so well, you gave several advice during this um, this interview, uh, but is there anything specific that, uh, a message that you would like to put across to anyone looking to move in the green job sector?
2: Yeah, I think people really need to figure out their focus. People come with a desire to do something useful and what they then start doing is casting around, applying for different types of jobs and generally not having much success. And the reason for that is that they haven't really positioned themselves in alignment with any particular job. So the first and probably the most difficult step for many people that I'm working with is what is your focus actually going to be? Because you can't keep the doors open to multiple types of jobs. Unfortunately, you've got to shut down many interesting doors. You've got to close those doors and get a really focused idea about what a plan A job is. And by a plan A job, I literally mean like this job title in one of these 10 companies, or in a sector with this type of work culture in this location with this many employees, real specific. And then once you've got that focus, then you can actually start positioning yourself for success in relation to that job. Maybe you're doing the right type of learning. Because you can't learn about climate change because it's the biggest, most complex problem known to humanity. You can only learn about this tiny little bit of it. That's where you've got to find the focus. And then obviously you need to do networking and informational interviews. You need to maybe get the right types of, you know, small certificates or qualifications. You need to do all sorts of things that you can only do in relation to a very small part of the green economy. So that I think is the... First of all, once you've got the energy and level right, then number two, figure out what that plan A is. And then everything else is relatively simple after that. Simple in as much as it's not complex. It's laborious and requires a lot of effort, but none of the individual steps are particularly complex. But it requires a lot of um, a lot of imagination to figure out what that plan A job is going to be. You know, you've got to at once allow yourself to think expansively. What is it that I would like to do ideally? Yet at the same time, think realistically and try and hold those two points in some kind of productive tension. It's often one of the most challenging parts of the whole transition process for many people.
1: So we are approaching the end of this super interesting episode (laughs) and um, uh, first. Uh, first of all i would like to ask you if anyone would like to uh, reach you where they can find you
2: yeah easiest thing is just to head over to um, ecotopiancareers.com that's the main website i'm also there on linkedin um, easy to find there is an email address on the website happy to connect any way that people find useful
1: thank you and now the last question that we always ask to all our guests Uh, If you could give yourself a piece of advice, what would you say to your younger self?
2: Take the business of business more seriously. Think more commercially. That is the advice I could As somebody who grew up, you know, like thinking about writing and being creative, studying humanities, stuff like that, um, I did not take commercial skills seriously enough. And this is something that is super important in the green economy and in the climate space, because what a lot of people do is they, you know, they come to the issue via their activism. Right. They, they have they are climate activists of some description and they want to make it part of their working week, which I obviously absolutely endorse. But the type of um, mindset and skill set required to be an activist is completely different to the type of mindset and skill set that's required to monetize climate in a job or in a business. So you've really got to understand what are the, the revenue streams? How can we make money out of this problem? And that can be a real emotional blockage for people because they start thinking, well, it doesn't sound right to be making money out of climate change. That's the world we live in. You know, we we work in a in a world which is based on business models and revenue streams, and I think you've really got to make peace with that commercial element in order to succeed in the career transition to the green economy.
1: Well, thank you very much, Joseph, uh, for joining us today and sharing your inspirational story and wisdom with our listeners. Thank you. And the last message for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and tune in next week for a new inspirational episode of The Career Changes. Thank you.